And if you think you're going to have a great life, I think there's no better place to go than the AFL because... You know, if you think about the joy that we get, we get to play a sport that we love, we get to do something that is enormously um, rewarding, the friendships you build, the, the opportunities that you get as an AFL player uh, or AFL staff to be supported and developed in every way, on the field, off the field. Uh, it's a fantastic life and I'm really fortunate that I've, I've joined the AFL Hall of Fame. That is Hawthorne coach Sam Mitchell, of course, former Hawthorne champion, also had uh, a season at West Coast as well late in his career. Um, A very worthy uh, inductee into the Australian Football Hall of Fame last night. Liza Riley from Code Sports, not yet in the Australian Football Hall of Fame, but who knows what might lie ahead of her. Eliza joins me on the show. Welcome, Eliza. Morning, Duff. I reckon that's a fair few years off if we ever ever get there. So, <laughs> well, I'm I'm closer to the end than you, and I'm probably no closer to the Hall of Fame than you, Eliza. So, I guess it uh, it's a fair way down the track, as you say, for both of us. Hey, you do the Freo beat for Code Sports. They've got a massive game coming up this weekend against the Dogs. Yeah, truly. Um, at Marble Stadium, you know, we saw what the Dogs did to them earlier this season here at Optus Stadium. The Dockers say they've learnt from that performance and they think they've got what it takes um, to go over there and do some damage. But it's essentially, you know, we talk about sort of eight-point games. Um, The Dogs are just one game ahead of them on the ladder, sitting in seventh on 32 points. So truly a massive game for Fremantle, who are still trying to keep their finals hopes alive. Yeah, you get the feeling that if they win this, then they're a real shot, and if they lose this, they're barely a shot. Um, at the moment, the equation looks like six from nine, win this, and it's five from eight, uh, lose it, and it's six from eight, and you've got away games against Collingwood and Geelong to come later on in the season. So the Bulldogs' big mids beat them up the last time, Eliza. How do they turn that around? I think the last time they played um, the Western Bulldogs, there was a lot of talk about this sort of inner and outer circle. Um, the Bulldogs are just so good at, as we know, winning it on the inside and then with their handball game, flicking it out to their outside midfielders. And the Dockers just couldn't get their hands on the footy um, in either circle last time. But we know Sean Darcy being back in the midfield, how big a presence he sort of provides, um, both with his rough work and just a sort of bigger body there um, that gives Fremantle's mids confidence to hunt the footy a bit more. Um, and we know when Dockers have won a contested position this year, they win games of football. So I think that's the ultimate focus, and it's a big emphasis um, for the for the young guns. The other big inclusion, of course, in this game compared to last game is that Nathan Fife didn't play, and I think it was round six when they played the last time. So how significant is he, given that the 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 flogging they took around stoppages with Bontempelli and uh, Tommy Liberatore and Jack McRae all having massive nights around clearance? Yeah, Fife is massive. Um, you know, we know this stage of his career, he doesn't need to dominate games to have a big influence um, on contests. So just the knowledge that he's there and whether, you know, what his sort of mid-forward split looks like, we know that's sort of a week-to-week progression for the Dockers. But you'd certainly think, given the Dogs' midfield and the sort of talent they have in there, Fife will probably spend a bit more time on ball against the Bulldogs and, 
you know, as you say, he wasn't there the last time these two sides play. Um, so if he has a big night, that certainly goes in Fremantle's favour. But even if he's just a bit of a presence there, only had the sort of 19 touches last week against Essendon and played a pretty big role um, even with that sort of number. What do you make of the ruck clash, Sean Darcy versus Tim English and obviously Luke Jackson lurking uh, in the wings as well? It's going to be one of the highlights of the game, I think. Definitely. Two of the best ruckmen in the comp. We know what Tim English has sort of evolved to in the past few years. Um, doesn't just, you know, sort of win it in the middle, can win it around the ground. But Sean Darcy um, has become probably Fremantle's most important player. And we saw that in the fortnight. He was absent um, from the Dockers and the losses they suffered to the Giants um, and Richmond. So I think it's going to be really tight in there. Um, you know, Tim English probably has the, the marginally the height on Sean Darcy, but it's going to be a really ripping contest. And as you said, Luke Jackson can sort of come in and provide a bit of support. Alex Pierce was subbed out of the game late on the weekend. Justin Longmuir has confirmed he has a lower leg niggle. Any concerns about him and assuming that he does play, who does he play on? Does he play on Aaron Norton? Because I think Aaron Norton had a pretty fair night on him the last time. Or does he get his old mate Rory Lobb? Yeah, certainly with the being subbed off, there was a bit of worry for Alex Pierce. Um, you, you know, you just sort of looked at the state of the game when it happened in Fremantle. You know, while they had a few goals on the bombers, it probably wasn't um, quite over in terms of having a result. Um, the bombers kicked a few goals sort of late, but the Dockers said they took the chance to sort of manage him um, and, you know, help get get him up for this weekend, given that lower leg niggle. So I don't think there's any concern at this stage, but the Dockers are training this morning. Um, so we'll see what Alex Pierce sort of does there, but he does tend to sort of keep a bit of a light main session at times when he is managing niggles. Um, as for this weekend, you'd probably think he does go to Aaron Norton um, again and gets a chance at sort of redemption um, against the astronaut. But given the dogs have such a variety of threats up forward, you'd probably see them rotating a little bit, getting a few different matchups, a few different looks, just because they are so sort of versatile and tall down there. Do you think there'll be any argy-bargy involving Roy Lobb this time, Eliza, or has that ship sailed? All the talk out of Fremantle so far this week has been that they have forgotten about that. Well, probably haven't forgotten because it was such a big talking point the last time these two sides played and it went away to costing Fremantle the game, I think. Just their sort of focus on Rory Lobb and wanting to go after their former teammate. But Hayden Young said it's no longer a focus or an issue and just among this at the same last night. So you'd expect that the Dockers have learned that lesson. Yeah, fingers crossed. I think they just, uh, it, it was fine to have a bit of argy-bargy. They just overcooked it and got obsessed about it and and, and forgot about playing the, the ball. Hey, James Aish is coming off a concussion. Um, Justin seemed upbeat about him being okay, uh, provided his back niggle that uh, kept him out last week was going to be all, was going to be all right. So, what's your mail on him? So it sounds like it's another one just for main training today, just to watch and um, hope he gets through. But obviously, it was a pretty serious incident, and um, James has had a bit of a history with concussion over his career. So, fair for the doctors to sort of take a conservative approach there. 
But you'd think he comes straight back into the lineup if he is fit to return. And someone like Neil Erasmus, who had a bit of a quieter game against the Essendon um, on Saturday night, might sort of be in the firing line there. Because, you know, we know James Ace is so versatile and so important to what the Dockers do. Now, Eliza, obviously you're a jet at covering the AFLW. What, what's going on with their season for 2023 and their fixtures? Why don't we have a fixture yet? It's a mess, stuff, basically. Um, the AFL has drafted up a fixture um, that's sitting somewhere in a locked box waiting to be released, but the AFL Players Association are pushing back hard because they want more than a 10-week season, which is a very natural progression to the competition. We've had 10-week seasons the past um, two seasons we've played. And with 18 teams now, um, if you lose one or two games early, it's basically season over. So what the competition needs is growth and development and to give these athletes more chance to, you know, come into their own as AFLW footballers because 10 games a season, a, a year for these footballers isn't enough to develop. So... That's where we're at. We're at a bit of a stalemate. The fixture is written. It just won't be released anytime soon because there is a lot of back and forth behind the scenes. But what I can say is apparently Nicole Livingston, the, the head honcho of the AFLW, is in Perth this week um, catching up with Fremantle and West Coast. And the reception to her visit may not necessarily be that positive given what's going on behind the scenes. How do you think this will play out and how do you think it will turn out? Does the, Do the players get their way or do you think the AFL will just stand its ground? Well, the AFL are pushing from the point of they want to put in place some metrics um, to basically quantify the extension of the season. So they want to see more crowds, they want to see a bit higher scoring, they want to see more sort of engagement with television audiences and things like that um, for them to justify extending the season. But then if that's the sort of what they're looking for, you think, when are those metrics going to come into play? Is it from last August, which was a season that was sort of, I think, doomed to fail from the start, considering they scheduled two seasons in the one year and there was a lot of footy fatigue rolling um, three seasons in the one year, and then if you look at the season before that, that was impacted by COVID and the same applies for the 2021 season. So I don't know when these metrics kick in or when they start and what the AFL is expecting from the players who they've sort of shot in the foot putting um, these parameters around the season and moving it to August, which I don't think was a success um, in the first up edition. So the AFL standing their ground um, and I think sort of hoping that the players do cave eventually, but there is a sort of push as well to separate the fixture negotiations from the CBA negotiations. And that was going to be my next question. The the shift to later in the season, it almost felt like when the AFLW would start off early in the, um, in the summer, it felt like people were wanting football and AFLW was able to supply a, a quenching of that thirst for football, if you like. And, and and to me, that was a good leg up. Now, I know it meant that they had to play in hot conditions, which makes it difficult, but it felt like there was a window of opportunity for them there. Do, would you like to see them go back to that, or do you think they're locked into this late-season um, schedule? I think for the time being, the AFL are committed to trying to make this August window work, but... 
the whole reason they moved there was this sort of talk of clean air and wanting to um, get a bit of space in the packed sporting calendar. But when you say clean air, you know, the WEBL is starting. Oh, we've got a Women's World Cup that's sort of right on the precipice of when the AFLW starts. You've got the height of the AFL men's season um, in the final series and then the trade period and everything else the AFL tries to pack into that end-of-season window to keep themselves at the forefront of conversations. So I don't really think the clean air argument sort of stands and it's while the August window um, I don't think works, you probably need to give it one more go and then if it doesn't attract the crowds and the excitement that it did, in what has we've seen in summer and years gone by, I think the AFL need to concede that and shift back to some of it, maybe in more friendly time slots, you know, really late at night, um, weekends, spread it across Thursday, Friday nights to avoid the heat of the sort of summer days. Yeah, I think that's a good plan, and I think uh, the AFL needs to listen to its athletes. That's always a, a good start. Eliza, thanks so much for joining us on the show. You can catch up with Eliza's writing on Code Sports, one of the best young sports writers around the country and uh, always takes a very highbrow and intellectual look at things. Thanks for joining us on the show. Thanks, Duff. Eliza Riley, what do you think about uh, Fremantle's chances of beating the Doggies? What do you think about the AFLW season? You can have your say on the Temper at Bedshed text line on 0487 736 736 or give us a call on the open line on 13 12 55. We'll be back after the break.